TII, item 456, February 19th, 2018, iOS 11.2.6, HomePods, and Apple's quarterly report. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullet! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's show is brought to you by Eero. For free overnight shipping to the U.S. and Canada, visit eero.com and at checkout, select overnight shipping, then enter promo code TII to make it free. Today's episode is sponsored by Texture. Go right now to texture.com slash TII to get your free trial. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and you are listening to the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Scott for sending in the artwork of today's show. Scott wrote the following. Hello, Rob. Here's a picture of me taken at the Apple Store in Louisville. The person who took the picture was a little too far away, so it's kind of hard to see me. I think I'm in the area of the L in Louisville. I use the app over to put text on the photo. Please feel free to edit as needed for your show. I'll be happy to send more original artwork around if you need it. Regards, Scott S. Scott, thank you so much for sending in this. And folks, you can see Scott's artwork in the free tie-up via the bonus button for episode 456 or at Instagram.com slash Today in iOS and also at Facebook.com slash Today in iOS. Folks, if you have some artwork and or music you've created on an iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com and please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. Since the last episode, Apple had their quarterly call. A quick recap of the call. Apple's revenue for the quarter, this is the yearly calendar quarter, Q4. Apple's, they call it Apple's first quarter in 2018, but you know what I mean. Revenue, $88.3 billion. That's versus $78.4 billion in the year-ago quarter and $72.56 billion in the quarter before that. Total cash on hand, $285.1 billion with a B dollars, up $16.2 billion from the quarter previous when they had $268.9 billion. Last quarter sales, iPhone sold 77.3 million units versus 78.3 million in the year-ago quarter and 46.7 million in the previous quarter. iPad sold 13.2 million versus 13.1 million in the year-ago quarter and 10.3 million last quarter before that. And then Mac sold 5.1 million versus 5.4 million a year ago and for 5.4 million uh, the previous quarter. Now, you need to note, in the year-ago analysis, we're comparing 14 weeks a year ago versus 13 weeks in the quarter this year. Some other miscellaneous notes. Uh, again, while the iPhones sold were lower, the 77.3 million versus 78.3 million, the revenue was much greater as Apple had their best ASP quarter ever for iPhone. So slight drop in units sold, but big increase in average sales price per unit. Also, it was, as I mentioned, a 13-week quarter versus last year's 14-week quarter. Last year, um, uh, 13 weeks would have worked out to 72.5 million units on a per-week basis. Uh, So Apple did much better on a per-week basis than they did a year-ago quarter. iPhone ASPs was $695 a year ago for the average sales price per iPhone. That rose to $796 last quarter. Huge, again, very big uptick there. The revenue of $88.3 billion is almost $10 billion more than the year-ago quarter 
which was then also the previous record quarter in revenue. So it's record by quite quite a bit. 94% of the $285.1 billion in cash that Apple has is outside the U.S. Tim Cook stated, Apple Pay, quote, is now accepted at more than half of all American retail locations, which includes more than two-thirds of the country's top 100 retailers, unquote. He also said Apple Pay is rolled out to 20 markets globally, with Brazil coming in the next few months. Um, the most recent dividend was being paid on, was actually paid on February 15th to those that own stock on February 12th at a rate of 63 cents per share. Per how the quarterly report was received, Apple stock on February 2nd was $163 a share. It dropped to $151 a share on February 9th and was at a high of $174 on February 16th. So an initial decline until people really dug into the numbers and realized, dang, $88.3 billion in revenue is really, really good. Actually, really, really great. Uh, let's put that in perspective. That is $14.5 billion more revenue in the quarter than Google, Microsoft, and Facebook combined. Yet those three companies' market cap is well over two times Apple's. So when you look at things from that comparison, Apple's stock price comparatively is not high. Of course, with any quarterly report that Apple releases, not all were happy. Take CNET. Yeah, I know. Shocker. CNET being negative about Apple, which just means the sky is still blue and the sun rises in the east. Well, CNET focused on the negative, pointing out that the iPhone unit sales were below analyst estimates, even though revenue was much higher than the same analyst estimates. Another way to look at this is analysts expected Apple to take 79 shots in the basketball game and score 87 points. But CNET would like to point out that Apple only took 77 shots in the game and not highlight that Apple scored 88 points, even if they took two fewer shots than expected. Stop me if I'm wrong, but is not the final score what really matters? Sorry for the basketball analogy rant, but I don't even know why I bother reading CNET anymore. So with all this doom and gloom out there from some reporting on Apple's last quarter, how did Apple actually do overall when looking at unit sales versus the rest of the world? Well, they came in first place globally, at least according to IDC, that had Apple in first with 77.3 million iPhones sold. Hey, same number Apple reported. Uh, that gave Apple 19.2% market share globally versus Sammy at 18.4, which were second. Huawei came in at third for the quarter at 10.2%. Overall, the market contracted 6.3% year-over-year for the last quarter, according to IDC. Again, that is market share and sales based on units sold, not on revenue, or more importantly, on profits. Profits, Apple will have dominated again and did grow year-over-year. Year. IDC also re released their 2017 calendar year worldwide smartphone market shares for all of 2017. And Apple ended the year in second place for the year, with 14.7% market share. Sammy was first with 21.6. Third place was Huawei at 10.4. Uh, Oppo came in at fourth with 7.6%, and Xiaomi was in at fifth at 6.3. All others combined for 39.5% uh, year over year. 
um, there was a 0.1% reduction in unit sales. So if you looked at everybody's unit sales for smartphones in 2017 versus 2016, we actually saw a contraction of 0.1%. Apple actually increased year over year by 0.2%, so pretty much stayed right in line there. Strategy Analytics also released some numbers, so another group. And for Q4, they had the smartphone market dropping 9% year over year, mostly from a 16% decline in China demand. They did have Apple in first place for the quarter with 19% of market share, and Sammy also in second place for the quarter at 18. Neil Mostyn, the executive director of Strategy Analytics, proved why he works for an analyst firm and not an actually in an industry with a real company uh, when he gave this advice. Quote, Apple shipped 77.3 million smartphones worldwide in Q4 2017, shipping one, uh, slipping 1% annually from the 78.3 million in Q4 2016. Despite robust iPhone X demand and an iPhone average selling price approaching an incredible US $800, we note global iPhone volumes have actually declined on an annual basis for five of the past eight quarters. If Apple wants to expand shipments volumes in the future, it will need to launch a new wave of cheaper iPhones and start to push down, not up, the price curve. Unquote. Brilliant advice, because we all know Apple's goal is unit sales, or maybe not, which would explain why Apple is making way more money than everyone else in the space combined um, and times by a larger number. So it's not even close. Apple dominates the actual revenue and profits in this industry. But yes, Mr. Mostyn, Apple should listen to your sage advice and release lots of low-cost phones. If I was Mr. Mostyn, I would not be expecting a recruiting call anytime soon from Apple's HR. Some interesting data from Canalys, another analyst firm, that if true, it's interesting, and it has to do with Apple watch shipments versus the entire Swiss watch industry. Canalys said last quarter Apple trumped all of the Swiss companies combined. Again, interesting if true, and I say if true because, well, Apple has never even remotely broken out Apple Watch numbers. All Apple said recently was that they had achieved a 50% growth for the last quarter based on growth for a number that they've never given. So as Ken Ray would like to say on, in these cases, fun with numbers without numbers. The estimate from Canalys had Apple shipping 8 million Apple Watches in Q4 2017 versus 6.8 million Switch watches. So all the Swiss watch companies combined exported 6.8 million watches for the same period that Apple shipped out 8 million, according to Canalys. Again, interesting if true, but highly unlikely that the number is dead on. But even if it's not true or not exactly on, it does point out the size of the Switch watch market and that Apple is already close to or above that level. And, well, that's amazing for a product that Apple gets dinged on quite often in the press as not being successful and not being a hit. comes back to perspective and expectations. Oftentimes, analysts and tech reporters miss out on one or the other, or if you see net, both. I want to take a moment and thank Ira for sponsoring the show. This is a product I absolutely love and allows me to get the fastest Wi-Fi at my house with the best coverage everywhere. Eero, E-E-R-O, makes a Wi-Fi mesh network for your home. I mentioned previously how fast Eero is for me. The speed really is incredible. Thank you, Eero. 
My sons have their friends come over with their devices all the time. And Eero has a guest network you can easily set up from their app. And better yet, you get a QR code on your app that others can then scan with their iOS 11 or later devices to get instant access to your guest network. It really is easy and secure to give friends or your kids' friends, more importantly, access to your Wi-Fi. If you have low-power devices around your home and they are streaming HD video like, oh, I don't know, a ring doorbell, low power does not mean low demand. And the second-generation Eero unit added a third 5 gigahertz radio to help with that demand, and it works great with home devices, and it also has a new thread radio for the lower-power devices. At my house, the Ring app launches the video app almost instantly. I mean, I can see, you know, I open it up, boom, I can see the video, who's at the front door. And Eero is a mesh network, just like at our office buildings, but now for your home. I set my, my main unit in my office, connected it via standard Ethernet cable to my Google Fiber router, then went into the kitchen, plugged in the Beacon unit to a standard wall outlet, set it up quickly, and then set up one in our bedroom, which is as far away from my office as possible in our house. It was about 10 to 15 minutes, set it all up, was really, really easy, and with an app for your iOS devices that lets me monitor all Wi-Fi devices connected now or that have ever been, really lets me know what's going on on my network at my house. With Eero, you only need to connect via hardware to the base station unit. The beacons, you just plug into the wall outlets, and that's it, and they even have little night lights. If you go to Eero, E-E-R-O dot com, and enter promo code TII, you will get free overnight shipping to the U.S. and Canada. Again, go to Eero.com, and at checkout, select overnight shipping, and then enter promo code TII to make it free, and get your home optimized for all those new devices you've added from the holidays, and now the new Apple HomePod. Eero really is the best, best, best Wi-Fi I've ever tested or heard of, hands down. Thank you, Eero, for unleashing all my Apple products and the new ones that the kids received recently and my HomePod. Apple's had some beta releases since the last episode. On February 6th, Apple rolled out iOS 11.3 Beta 2. One of the key new features in Beta 2 is the new battery health feature, which gives users more info about, well, the health of the battery. You can see the max capacity of the battery as a percentage of where it was when it was new. Luckily, my wife doesn't get this same feature with me. I would hate for her to see. Your husband has 43% of the maximum capacity he had on your wedding night and may shut down unexpectedly, especially during heavy usage. But for my iPhone, yes, absolutely, I want this info. And as I said before, it should have been included back when the Apple first started throttling down iPhones. Speaking of which, one of the new features is the ability to kill the throttle. Actually, now by default with iOS 11.3, Apple is disabling, quote, performance management, unquote, which is Apple's code words for neutering your phone. And, quote, performance management, unquote, is not turned on until a device experiences an unexpected shutdown. Battery capacity can be seen on any iPhone first released in 2014 or later, but not those from the fall. iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, 6S and 6S Plus, 7, 7 Plus, and the SE all can see this new feature. And again, once you upgrade iOS 11.3 beta 2, the performance management quote feature unquote is turned off by default. 
And Beta 2 also brings the never-ending bug fixes and optimizations as part of what was also released. On February 6th, Apple also released tvOS 11.3 Beta 2 to devs. This is for the 4th and 5th gen Apple TVs. According to Apple, with Beta 2, what is new is, quote, enhancements to match content support, automatic frame rate switching on Apple TV 4th generation, and automatic mode switching for AirPlay video sessions, unquote. There are, of course, bug fixes and optimizations with Beta 2, and one big bug fix is where the play pause button on the Apple TV remote would not work properly. Interesting, I did notice the issue I had with the CBS app, and it not restarting was already fixed in the last Golden Master release for tvOS, but maybe other apps were still having this issue on Apple TV, and when this goes Goldmaster with 11.3 for tvOS, it will fix it for all. Apple also released a new beta for watchOS 4.3 beta 2 to be precise. This came out a day after iOS and Apple TV betas were released. About all I can find listed for the new beta 2 was um, nothing and a call from blogs to let them know what is new that you all have found. So let's just go with bug fixes and optimizations for beta 2 of watchOS 4.3. And today, Apple also released a minor double-dot update to the public that is not a beta. Apple released iOS 11.2.6 update, and this was on February 19th. And one of the big things this update addresses is fixing of a bug that caused iOS devices and apps, and also Mac apps, to crash when trying to render a specific character in the Indian language Telugu. And I probably mispronounced that. This fix is a little too little and a little too late for me. Last week, some idiot in one of the other Google Plus forums, not our Google Plus forum, but rather I think it was a, just a straight iPhone one. Um, those, those other forums out there are really bad. Thankfully, you have ours, so you don't have to deal with spammers and idiots. Anyway, one of them put a post out with the symbol, haha, and it was in the email that they sent out from Google+, and that caused my email to crash on my computer. And when I tried to reboot it, my email was corrupted. And I went from the middle of last week till Sunday with no email during that whole time trying to rebuild and reboot and get everything back working again. And when all was finally said and done, I permanently lost over 700,000 emails. I went from 3.4 million emails to 2.7 million emails. Yeah, not a good week last week. This episode would have gone out Thursday night last week had that bug not hit. So thanks to whoever that was to put it up. Anyway, hopefully that will not happen again. And if you have not updated, yeah, I personally would have to highly recommend you do, or at least you stay away from all those Google Plus communities other than the one for this show. Obviously, I've upgraded everything. Um, if you are running iOS 11.3 betas, then you already have the fix uh, for that character symbol in place. If you're not doing the betas, then upgrade iOS 11.2.6 because it also quotes fixes some other issues. There's, it fixes one where third-party apps fail to connect uh, to external accessories. But overall, you really want to get that one, especially if you're on a Mac and you want to get Mac updated if you're on High Sierra, which I had to update to fix my email ultimately. So get to the latest on Mac, get to the latest on iOS, tvOS, others, um, so that you don't have to 
deal with what I had to deal with last week. And yes, Apple also released a double dot update for T- Apple TV uh, today, rolling out tvOS 11.2.6. Uh, this also addresses that same special Telego character and crashes. And Apple also rolled out a new double dot update for watchOS as well. Again, if you were thinking of doing these updates, uh, don't let my horror story of 700,000 lost emails at all weigh in on your decision. But I can tell you from personal experience, you don't want to go through what I went through. A quick little Apple Pay update. Apple rolled out last week 26 more U.S. banks and credit unions that support Apple Pay. Not sure which on the list is biggest, but if you were waiting for your bank or credit union, you can look for the link in the show notes. We mentioned earlier Apple Pay is available at half of the U.S. stores, and really Apple Pay adoption is more about the other half that's missing, which includes two small names you may have heard of, Walmart and Target, Walmart, I understand, they are just evil and a big supporter of that other horrible system that crashed and burned, so likely it'll be some time before they capitulate. But Target already accepts Apple Pay Online and has been a good partner for Apple products launches. So I am always surprised when I hear Apple talk about new partners for Apple Pay and Target stores, the physical stores, are not on that list. Come on, Tarjay, get with the game. All right, let's talk HomePod. Well, we received our HomePod on Friday the 9th, but I was not home until late Sunday the 11th, so the boys had to wait to unbox it until Monday the 12th, which you can see one of our most chaotic unboxing videos in the TI app right between episodes 455 and 456. The boys, quote, helped, unquote, as always. So what did we think? Well, I'll get to that after I read what some of you thought. To the email bag. Hi, Rob. I honestly am not entirely sure why someone would pay $350 for the HomePod. I mean, I'm sure it has good hardware, but what does the speaker do that my iPhone or my $325 iPad 5th gen can't do? Is it simply just louder? And if there are features that are different, are they features that the average user is going to use? Or is it just going to overall be a loud, expensive speaker with a touch of Apple on it uh, because I can say, hey, Siri, to my speaker, like I would be paying for a loudspeaker that simply plays well with my iPhone, plus features that only a small percentage of people would actually use. Regards, Zach M. Hi, Rob. I ordered the HomePod this morning, February 5th, in Space Gray. It'll deliver by Friday, February 9th, and I'll tell you why. Even though I'm a big fan of the Sonos Home wireless speaker system that I got, a HomePod. The Sonos system works great with pretty good sound, though it seems pricey at times. I have three, the Play One speakers and the TV Play Bar through no subwoofer, and the Play Numeral One speakers are different from the Play O-N-E speakers in that the Play One accepts Alexa commands through a built-in microphone, has a touchpad-like surface, and the speaker top. But the others... Uh, otherwise sounds just like the original Play, the numeral one speaker. Uh, the Play numeral one is 149 instead of 199 for the Alexa-enabled O-N-E one. Sonos has been at this a long time and has thought of almost everything regarding how wireless speakers should work alone or paired as stereo speakers or in groups. The HomePod promises better sound with the inclusion of more tweeters, microphones, and a subwoofer than the Play 1, O-N-E. 
there are other play speakers that may sound just as good, but the deciding factor in HomePod's favor is that it tunes itself to the acoustic environment. It analyzes the acoustic anomalies in a space and automatically fires its speakers to compensate. The Sonos system will do the same thing, but it requires your participation of waving an iPhone around as you move about a room. It's fun the first couple of times, move furniture or speaker placement, and either repeat the wave maneuver or give up and settle for good enough. The HomePod, they say, adapts itself, so should be easiest to place. We'll see, or rather hear, if that's true, regards Eric Moody. Thanks, Eric. Now let's take a look in our Google Plus community, and Shannon Holden said, quote, I get it that everyone is excited about the HomePod, but I don't think it's for me, at least not now. I did take delivery too late last night to install of my new Wemo bridge that will allow me to control my lights using Siri and HomeKit. I'm pretty excited about that, unquote. From Chris Carlson in the same string, and he replied to Shannon saying, quote, I have to agree with you on this one. I think it is a great addition to the Apple ecosystem, but for me right now, I'm with you. Do I really need this accessory? Nah. Will I buy one sometime in the future? Most likely I will. At the moment, I can justify spending $350 on it to my wife. And I don't want to have to walk into an emergency room and explain how a brand new HomePod got lodged in my nether regions. Unquote. And Barry Smitherin also replied to Shannon saying, quote, I am a big fan of Apple as 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 big and as fan as anyone, but I'm not even tempted with the HomePod. Part of it is my lifestyle, as I don't listen to much music around the house. And if I'm playing music for a party or whatnot, it's never loud enough to care about the quality. I think it's important for Apple to offer a smart speaker just to remain competitive, but I don't personally see a reason to own one. Not when I have Siri on my wrist or in my pocket at all times. Until I can talk to my, my whole house like I'm on board the Enterprise and Siri knows the differences between me and anyone else making a request, it is a useless gadget for me. If I were 25 and living alone, maybe it would be different, unquote. And then Barbara E. had a different take on this, replying, quote, I'm excited about using it with Apple TV. I pretty much hate or rather not happy with the current soundbar. I'm over it. I'm ready for something better, of course. I will have to use a soundbar when watching any non-Apple TV stuff. More on this later, unquote. Karthik M. looks to be the first one that actually posted about getting the HomePod. And he said, quote, got my HomePod from Best Buy on launch day. I got black. I used a 10% off coupon and had a $10 reward certificate. So I paid $335 at checkout, including tax. Very excited. We'll post review soon going to use it as a soundbar for my Apple TV and AirPlay from my iPhone, unquote. Back to the email bag. All right, I've got my HomePod today. First, the sound is great. The pod had me pulling my hair out when I first tried to set it up. Using AirPlay is the best way for me. I hooked up iPads, Macs, iPhones. There is a command problem with Siri. Hopefully, Apple will address this. I played rap, country, jazz, R&B, and a movie, everything. The sound is all that. So far, I'm very happy with it. Can't wait to hear what the critics have to say. Hope you like yours, Rob. Regards, Salim. Thank you, Salim. 
from the Google Plus community and Carol Goodman. She said, quote, I've been out of town for 10 days. My HomePod arrived while I was away. Just set it up in about one minute. HomePod did not disappoint. The sound is beyond my expectations. Yippee. So excited. Amazing sound, unquote. From Bruce Tony. quote, wow, I'm so impressed with my new HomePod. It's better than expected. The sound quality is near concert quality, even at high volume levels. The clarity of voices, background singers, instruments is impeccable. I just love listening to the bass of string instruments and the highs of horns and vocals. What I was amazed most by is how well Siri responds. You can speak at a lower volume level than the music you're listening to, and Siri hears you. This has to mean that Siri does not hear the music playing, but is constantly listening for your commands. I asked Siri to play DJ for me, and it played music and I like to lis- that I like to listen to, even though that music is not on my playlist on my iPhone. So please tell me how Siri does this. I can't believe the volume level. I asked Siri to increase volume to 100%, and Siri responded, Are you sure? That is very loud. Over 40 million songs at your request? Thanks, Apple. I've had my HomePod for 24 hours, and I am not an Apple employee or receiving any compensation for this. Quick review, unquote. Robert Spivak had the following to say, and actually replied to that. He said, quote, After an evening and a day, HomePod sounds far better then cheaper rivals, Amazon Echo, Amazon Show, Google Home, but very close to the Sonos One. The pair of Sonos Ones do sound better to my ears than the single HomePod. If you aren't keeping score, the Sonos promo ha- they have running is they're selling two Ones, ONEs, for the same MSRP as a single HomePod. So for $349, you can get two Sonos ONEs. The microphone on the HomePod our best. I can talk very quietly from the other side of the room with the music loud and it will hear me. Siri voice commands, even just controlling music has a longer delay than Amazon. Takes a long time, several seconds before my command is executed. This might be the Bluetooth algorithm to figure out which Siri device should be responding um, is, is slower than Amazon's ESP. Slightly ignored that the AAC power cord is not detachable. Why did Apple do that? It's not a freaking battery. Why not let it be removable, replaceable without having to have a repair fee? By now, most of you know it only streams Apple Music. Everything else is existing V1 AirPlay. Apple AirPlay V2 not available yet. Not sure if this is a V1 versus V2 AirPlay thing, but I am really annoyed that my Apple Music on my iPhone does not have any tight integration with what the HomePod is playing. Bear with me. If I use my voice and tell the HomePod to start playing a song when I open Apple Music on my iPhone, it has no knowledge of what HomePod is doing. I can't see the song title or playlist, so I can't do things from my phone like skip to the next track or see the lyrics on the phone. If I see a song on the iPhone I want to hear, I can use AirPlay icon to have my iPhone connect to the HomePod as an output target. Then the iPhone usurps whatever the HomePod was playing. But the iPhone is the streaming source. It's not casting to the HomePod. So if the iPhone is turned off, the music stops. I really hope this will change with AirPlay V2. To me, this makes HomePod product 
pretty very much a paid beta since even agreeing to Apple's walled garden of only using Apple Music, the features are very limited. In case you are asking, even with voice control, it is convenient to be searching, discovering music on your iPhone and then sending it over to the HomePod to hear. Maybe Sonos with their play cue has spoiled me, but the second screen workflow is very common now. Home automation is well, HomeKit, nothing really new here. You either love it, hate it, or don't care. For the typical consumer, Amazon Alexa is still far ahead right now, but things change fast and Google is pushing hard, unquote. To which Kareem Haskett replied, quote, uh, Robert, on the iPhone 10, if you swipe down from the right and hard press on your audio player, you first get audio controls for the phone, and then beneath that, you get the audio control for the HomePod, where you're able to see what's playing and skip forward and backwards and so on. You also get Apple TV controls under there, which I've never noticed before until now. If you do not have the iPhone 10, then all these controls are probably seen via a swipe up and then a hard press, unquote. And thanks all for all of your feedback about your HomePod, if you've gotten one or why you didn't get one. I do appreciate that. Okay, now my thoughts, experiences. When we first set it up, we put it in the man cave to connect it to our Apple TV, and it worked well. I think the biggest surprise was of the available names that we could call it, man cave, and basement were neither available on the list. Really, Apple? Did they not have man caves in California? I had it down in the basement for one day and then said, you know what? I want it up in my office. And it has been in my office ever since. Much to the dismay and process of my sons, I like the sound I get from it as a speakerphone. Now, actually, let me play some feedback or actually my call in from my HomePod. So this is the audio quality. I'm just talking regular, normal voice, where I sit in my seat uh, on the Apple HomePod. So this is how it sounds, calling in, using it as a speakerphone. Now I want to give a baseline. This is me talking with my AirPods. Again, normal voice, AirPods in, talking how I normally would talk on the phone. So this is how I sounded with the AirPods, and then previously was how I sounded on the HomePod. Now, mind you, the audio quality is not going to be pristine or even great because I'm calling into a call-in number. And a call-in number, you have the whole limitation, the 4 kilohertz bandwidth, and the bitrate that the codad isn't the best at the call-in numbers. But the point is, not much different between the HomePod and the AirPods which is good because a lot of times I'm using the AirPods and I have been asking people when I talk to them how I sound and nobody's had any issues with me talking and asking me to speak up. Most of the time I'm using it, well, shocker, is for listening to podcasts and music. The normal Hey Siri commands work well for controlling playback. I can ask her to skip back X number of seconds if I miss something that someone said on a podcast or ask her to play it at a faster speed. But one thing with the HomePod that seems to have not shipped is her sense of humor. Many of the funny Hey series that I tried and have done on the show don't work with the HomePod for some reason. But they definitely are not all there, and it seems like maybe even most of them are missing from the ones I've tried. 
I know a lot of people, myself included, really wanted to replace a soundbar for your TV with the Apple HomePod. But sadly, when it comes to games, it's not the best with some lag. But more importantly, Apple decided not to have any physical inputs. That means other than Apple TV, you're not going to connect it from your TV or your Xbox or other hardware. If you have just Apple TV running on a TV, sure, it can work. If you're not a big Apple TV gamer, it's okay. But there are much, much better solutions for soundbars out there at much lower prices. If you are a big user of Apple Music, then absolutely HomePod is something to look at. Except, you know, for that part where stereo is not yet available, which really, really takes away from the beginning of Pink Floyd's money, or really all of Dark Side of the Moon, or all of Wish You Were Here, and most of Another Brick in the Wall. They just lose something from a single speaker. But don't get me wrong, the HomePod singular sound sounds great for a single speaker unit. Much better than my Echo, that's for sure. Way better than my Echo. Actually, a bunch of people have done testing on the HomePod against other speakers. But before we get into any of those reviews, let's take a moment here to thank one of our sponsors today, and that's Texture. Thank you, Texture, for sponsoring our show. As I said before, Texture is essentially the Netflix of magazines. The Texture app gives you unlimited access to over 200 premium magazines, Texture has leading titles from Time Magazine, The New Yorker, Macworld, Popular Science, and Wired, to name just a few. And right now, you can try Texture for free. Winter is here, and the Texture app is here to help. Let a far and Airbnb mag take you away and give you ideas for your next vacation. No matter what mood you're in, let Texture and unlimited access to over 200 premium magazines help inform, entertain, and inspire you this winter. And right now, you can try Texture for free. To start your texture free trial, go to texture, T-E-X-T-U-R-E dot com slash T-I-I. If you choose to continue, podcast listeners will get texture for just $9.99 a month. That's over 30% off their listed price. Go to texture.com slash T-I-I to start your free trial today. That's texture.com slash T-I-I. The magazine looks great on your iPhone and iPad, and that means you have access to all the magazine's anytime, anywhere. And here's what I really like. You can search for a topic across all the magazines. Search for a podcast and sort by newest, and I can keep up to date on my day job. Why on earth would you subscribe to just a couple of magazines when you could have all the best ones on your smartphone or tablet all the time for way less? Sign up for Texture right now. Gain insider access to all the content from the world's best publications and no trees were killed bringing you these great publications. It's all just bits, man. Once again, go to texture.com slash TII to get your free 14-day trial. Get real news from real news sources. And as we were saying before we talked about texture, we were talking about a bunch of different people doing reviews on the HomePods. And there were a lot of different ones, but one of the tests that got a lot of popularity was versus a pair of $1,000 KEF X300A digital hi-fi speakers where they pitted it against the smaller, cheaper HomePod. And the results from the Reddit user that did these tests were, quote, I am speechless. The HomePod actually sounds better than the KEF X300A. If you're new to the audiophile world, KEF is a very well-respected and much-loved speaker company. 
I actually deleted my very first measurement and rechecked everything because they were so good. I thought I'd made an error. Apple has managed to extract peak performance from a pint-sized speaker, a feat that deserves a standing ovation. The HomePod is 100% an audiophile-grade speaker, unquote. That said, many ripped that user for his testing and conclusions. I had a few people email me previously to say, don't mention HomePod and audiophile in the same sentence or even the same paragraph. That said, those emails came in prior to the HomePod ever hitting the street, so they are not really based on anything but a preconceived bias that HomePods will not be as good as $1,000 plus speakers. And while it may be true HomePods are not audiophile level, that is something that needs to be tested out and proven, not assumed. There is a really good piece from 9to5Mac by Ben Lovejoy where he summarized testing done between FASCO and NTI Audio AG, which is um, to test what Apple claims that the HomePod analyzes and adjusts for your room's acoustics. After doing some baseline measurements, they found that the HomePod's profile changed very little throughout the room. So they went all around the room and measured and they saw less than a one decibel change. And that would not be perceivable by human ears. NTI Audio said the results were as good as any audiophile would get from conventional speakers after a great deal of effort on the setup. Quote, the developers have done an excellent job of having the HomePod adjust to the room. It has impressive consistency in overall level and frequency response. The HomePod automatic spatial compensation that previously required a real audiophile's expertise, tools, and time. Unquote. Right now, some test results reviews seem to indicate the audio quality is close to, if not at, the audiophile level that others said not to mention in the same breath. And we are not even yet at the point where we can do stereo testing. If you were someone spending thousands of dollars and lots of time and effort to optimize audio performance in a specific room, it does look like Apple's HomePod will get close to the same level of audio response and levels with one speaker, and who knows how good it'll be when they finally support the stereo, the two speakers. And they can do all this at a fraction of the cost and a major fraction of the time to set up versus an audiophile's traditional setup. But the problem with this is those that are real, really, really, really audiophiles really take this seriously, they're having a hard time accepting the HomePod. So the ones that can easily spend money on them will likely shun it. And those that are not as particular about their audio quality will go, hey, two Sonuses for the price of one HomePod, and that's as, well, that's good enough for my ears. Ultimately, Audio beauty is in the ear of the beholder. And there are those that already love the HomePod and others like Jeremy Horowitz from VentureBeat that said, quote, it's an overly bass-heavy monaural speaker with recessed mids, ultimately not worth its steep asking price, unquote. So if my reviews and comments leave you even more confused, yep, that's the point. This is not something I or anyone can really determine for you if it's right. Um, the HomePod is limited to mono mode, 
So its full audio quality when paired with another speaker is not yet unleashed. But $350 for a single speaker is a big price, which is why they are easily obtained and available. Uh, if you go um, right now to any Apple store, you should be able to find one. Or you can go to apple.com and get one in two days. It is in stock. It's not sold out that I can see anywhere. What do I think of my HomePod? So we're at this point. It's nice. It sounds much better than my Echo. I think the speaker phone mode is really good. I like having that as a backup if my AirPods are not charged or not pairing right or if I just left them in the other room. Listening to podcasts is easy and efficient. I like having my music at my literal beck and call. But is the HomePod worth $350? I mean, that's ultimately the question, right? Is it worth $350? I have to get back to you on that. Because right now, if I had to justify to my wife out of our personal budget buying one of these, mm, yeah, I think it would have required a trip to the emergency room as well to get it removed from my nether regions if I just come home with one. Putting the sound aside, there's another issue. Let me read this. This is from Larry D. in the Google Plus community. Quote, I have had my HomePod for a few days now, and I just checked for the white ring underneath it on my antique wood table, and yes, it was there. I took my hand and rubbed over it. The stain came off with no effort. Upon closer inspection, I was able to determine the mystery substance was, wait for it, dust. Yes, the combination of silicon base, electromagnetism, and my HVAC not having hospital-grade filtration means that the HomePod is an expensive, great-sounding dust magnet. So let's hope you got uh, the white one. Problem solved. Problem staying solved. Unquote. And John Dougherty replied to Larry and said, quote, It apparently is silicone reacts with some furniture oils. Thankfully for you, it would seem that you have the right furniture polish or none, unquote. For those that have not heard what we're talking about here, Apple's HomePod for some users is leaving a white ring on their wood. If you are placing your HomePod on a wood surface, you may want to put something between the wood and your HomePod, like another piece of wood or a leather coaster. Various reports I've read said this is something they were surprised Apple did not catch in the testing phase and will need to make changes to the silicon used on the bottom of the HomePod. A few were also quick to point out this is something that also happened with some of the Sonos ones. Long of the short, if you have a nice wood surface you're going to be putting your HomePod on or put it on, it's best to put something between your wood surface and the HomePod. I fix it, did what they do, and ripped apart a HomePod. And what interesting items did they find? One of the most obvious items is that the power cord is integrated and not user replaceable. Thanks, Apple. Because we all so love having to pay $100 or more to have our power cord replaced when the cord gets damaged. Brilliant. Opening it up is not for the user to do. It required cutting and sawing and prying. All things that will lead to more damage than you are trying to fix. They gave it a repair score of 1 out of 10. On the plus side, iFix said it's built like a tank and should be very durable and likely will not need to be repaired. Prediction about HomePod 2 second gen. 
it will have a removable power cord or just a USB-C port for the power and may even have an audio jack or audio in jack. Really, those are the two things all that almost every review is asking for. I mean, you're getting a $350 speaker. Put an audio in jack. Make it user-replaceable power cord. That's not so much to ask. Internally, it was confirmed to have an A8 processor. This was previously announced by Apple. It has one gig uh, of, of RAM, um, and then it has 16 gig of NAND storage. So there's one gig of RAM and 16 gig of NAND storage for the device. And Apple has released a HomePod user guide so you can see all the different features, commands you get with it. But really, if you use Siri before, you're over 90% of the way there. That said, sure, I put a link in the show notes just in case you want to read a little bit more on this. Hello, Rob. It's John Petrie from Sydney, Australia. I just want to find out if anyone knows what the Apple Watch Generation 1 was like. Um, how easy are they to pair to the iPhone 7? 128 gigabytes black with the, um, the double touch screen. If you could give me some advice, um, what is the current OS that the Generation 1 watch can take? Um, the other thing is, are they easy to pair and set up? If so, would somebody give me a guided little um, tutorial on how to? I'm picking it up on Monday. It's uh, the sports model. I will forward you through some photos to have a look at and you tell me what you think. Thanks, Rob. Bye. Hi, John. First off, congratulations on getting the Apple Watch. Very, very, very easy to pair. Takes no time at all. You just go into the Apple Watch app. You set it up to pair. It puts a little symbol on the screen of the Apple Watch. You hold your camera from your iPhone above it, and it's paired. It really, really is easy. Um, best to be at your house, at your Wi-Fi, in your house when you're doing it. That would be my best recommendation for you. But pairing it, setting it up is easy. And as far as I know, the Apple Watch first generation still supports all versions of the Apple Watch OS. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. First, I have to say I love the AirPods. From day one, they work great. Perfect for listening to podcasts and music. But I must warn you and others, do not put the case in the same pocket as your iPhone. Normally, I put my case in my left pocket and my iPhone 10 in my right a lapse of muscle memory, and I put both of them in my right, and the hinge caused a nice gouge and double scratch around the top of my iPhone. Now, it did not have a screen protector on it, so I should have. The phone still looks great, and it's okay, and I don't notice it as much now as a week later, but in the right light, you can see it, and that's all I can see. Urgh. The, this reminds me that I did not take all of the steps I could have to keep it safe. You've been warned. Regards, Dan. P.S. Debated on crying to Apple about it and have not done so. Should I? Dan, I don't think Apple's going to do anything. You, you put it in the pocket and it scratched it. And yeah, they're going to say sorry. So if it's not broken and you're not having any issues and it works fine... Maybe a couple weeks from now, it'll be less noticeable. And a few weeks after that, it'll be even less noticeable. Sorry to hear your story, though. Hello, Rob. It's Ben from Montreal, Canada. And I've got a question for you. As you know, you can enable or disable the clicking sound or the lock sound on your iPhone. 
I do have both of, both of these features enabled. And whenever I lock my phone, there's no sound. Or when I click on the keyboard, still, there is no sound. My girlfriend has the same phone than I do, iPhone 7. She has the same problem. Both of our phones can't get the sound from locking it or clicking the keyboard. So please let me know if you have the same problem on your phone or if anyone else has the same problem. Actually, we are both, uh, we both have the latest version of iOS and uh, I believe it's a bug. So please let me know what you think about this. All right. Thank you. Bye. Ben, sorry to hear of your issues. And I'm going to throw this one out to the audience. If you have any help for Ben, if you've had the same problem and we're able to fix it, let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Ben, just to answer your question, it works fine for me. I get the lock sound. I get all the different sounds. As long as I have the ringer turned on, I'm hearing everything. So, again, if anyone out there has had this issue and was able to fix it, please give us a call or shoot us an email. Let us know what you did to fix the issue. Congratulations are in order for Android Oreo. Versions 8.0 and 8.1 combined earlier this month to represent 1.1% of Android installs, breaking that ever-elusive 1% barrier. Oreo 8.0, as you may remember, it was a while ago, you might not, but if you do remember way back to August is when that was launched. So just a scant six months later, they were able to crack the 1% mark. Way to go, Android team onward and upward, I guess, to a goal of 2% adoption? I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. BGR had an article with, granted, what it was clearly a link bait title, and it worked. And it was, quote, the sad state of Android. Google removed over 700,000 bad apps last year, unquote. Hey, that is the same number of emails I lost last week. I feel your pain, Android users. I feel your pain. That 700,000 number is from Google, who claimed it was able to remove 700,000 fraudulent or malicious apps both before and after they reached actual customers. The actual quote from Google was, quote, In 2017, we took down more than 700,000 apps that violated the Google Pay Play policies, 70% more than the apps taken down in 2016. Not only did we remove more bad apps, we were able to identify an action against them early. In fact, 99% of apps with abusive contents were identified and rejected before anyone could install them, unquote. 99% sounds great until you realize 1% of a really big number is a big number. 7,000 apps made it past the gatekeepers and into the store and onto users' Android devices. Yikes! And to make matters worse, Google said they identified... 100,000 bad devs in 2017 who were repeat offenders and abusive app devs. So let me get this right. 100,000 devs in 2017 were willing to say, to heck with Google's T's and C's, we're going to go and release malware or other evil apps to take advantage of Android users rather than try to create an app of value. Um, did I say yikes yet in this segment? All right, now time to ask Siri some questions. Let's see how she does on this one. What are you doing later tonight? Just responding to three million people calling out, hey Siri, at the same time. What are you doing later tonight? Hang on, I'm giving directions to the Olympic Zamboni. Turn right. 
Turn right. Turn right again. Now straight. What are you doing tonight? Making a lot of phone calls. This mom person is very popular. What are you doing later tonight? I'm practicing my DJ skills on HomePod. We make beautiful music together. What are you doing later tonight? I'm brushing up on Apple Music playlists. Hmm, maybe I should try listening to them one at a time. What are you doing later tonight? I'm helping. I just love to help people. What are you doing later tonight? I'm excited that HomePod is here. I've never sounded better. What are you doing later tonight? Just admiring the multitasking capabilities of the Nimbo Stratus. Thanks again to Texture for sponsoring this episode. Folks, go right now to texture.com slash TII to get your free 14-day trial with access to well over 200 of the best and most popular magazines. Before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or a comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant about something else. An app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for a new artwork to feature on the show that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. Of course, do not forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. Nobody putting any tricky symbols there. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when sending in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Today's show was again brought to you by Eero, which is by far the fastest and best Wi-Fi I've ever tested if you go to eero.com, that's E-E-R-O.com, and enter promo code TII, you will get free overnight shipping to the U.S. and Canada. Again, go to eero.com, and at checkout, select overnight shipping, then enter promo code TII to make it free. And make sure your home network is allowing you to get the most out of all your new Wi-Fi devices from this past holiday season, and, well, for now, for your new HomePod. Finally, Check out the TII app, which is free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It's the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. It's also voiceover friendly. And you can always find our great unboxing videos there. Please go right now and download the TII app or get the update if you already have it. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, reminding you to phone this show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.